everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Need Some Introduction. In this episode, we will be recapping only Murders in the Building, To Protect and Serve, the most recent episode, as well as the final episode, the season finale of Nine Perfect Strangers, Ever After. If you're only here to listen to one or the other recap, uh, make sure you check the show notes where we have our timestamps. If you, I'd love to hear anybody's opinions of the episode. We have some feedback we'll be reading in the next uh, episode coming up. I'd love to hear any of your feedback. So reach us, reach out to us at needsomeintroduction at gmail.com with any of your thoughts. And what's going to happen next week, we will be continuing to cover Only Murders in the Building. And I will be beginning to rewatch Succession. And I'll be giving my impressions of my rewatch of Succession as using my knowledge of the show overall, going through it again. And this is all in preparation because in less than a month now, we're about three weeks out from three, a little more than three weeks out from the new season of Succession, season three, which I'm very much looking forward gotta to. Got to catch up. <laughs> yeah, Sona's got to catch up as well, and we'll, we'll see if she can <laughs> participate in some of these um, conversations before the actual season. She'll probably be busy just watching the episodes. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> but uh, I will be rewatching and probably be doing those recaps by myself and uh, kind of giving my opinions. And uh, my wife, also a huge fan of Succession, she cannot wait for it to come back. And maybe finally, maybe finally, she can make some time to participate in that conversation as well and just be talking about other things we're watching along the way of course and i can't wait less than a month away and this is the show i've been looking forward to the most maybe better call saul which that oh i can't wait for that so excited for that and also yeah. i'll just throw out there i'm also excited for dexter oh, and i'm excited for you absolutely for me oh thank you <laughs> <laughs> uh, the show titled you is what i'm excited about yes my my wife has seen all of you i <laughs> <laughs> that is, that's going to sound the wrong way too. Um, she's watched the entirety of that show and I haven't seen none of it. So maybe I will try to catch up so that we can have a casual. It's a good one. Very um, Dexter. Yes. She's made the same analogy. Yes. yes. And, uh, and yes. absolutely we will be, I believe in this show, since we will absolutely be watching this mini season of Dexter, which I think I told you, son, it was only like five episodes. I think it's like 11 episodes. So it's a full season okay. of Dexter. And it's starting. Well, hopefully they're going to redeem themselves. <laughs> oh, yes. They have a lot of work to do. And uh, that is uh, starting the November 7th, I believe. So that will be something we'll be discussing here as well, because we'll definitely be both be watching. And uh, yeah, so that's what we look to look forward to. But before we get to that, the Emmy Awards were this week. Uh, incredible. I looked at the ratings for the Emmy Awards. I did not watch them. So I have not watched the Emmys in many years. Nor did I. And apparently we're not alone, everybody, because <laughs> I was thinking to myself, who is still watching award shows at this point? And I Seriously. checked out the ratings and it's pretty amazing. The top 10 shows for the week were seven of them were NFL, which is not surprising. The NFL is the biggest yeah. business in the country. And don't get me started. <laughs> I know we have, we should have a whole <laughs> side digression on that. We should have a conversation. About that. But the NFL massively successful as all other sporting events are really lost their luster. And the NFL too is taking a ding as far as their ratings but when you compare it to everything else out there, it's incredible, the ratings that the NFL still gets. But that's seven. And then the rest of the top 10 was like the Mask Singer, the Emmy Awards, and mm -hmm. uh, America's Got Talent. So literally, the Emmy Awards was sandwiched in between the just a run-of-the-mill <laughs> Mask Singer episode and America's Got Talent, which is shocking to me that people watch that at all anymore. Just a generic 
another episode of those shows was able to basically match <laughs> the Emmy Award ratings. It's pretty. Yeah, nuts. I mean, hey, listen, um, Mare of Easttown did yes, well, right? Did. Which yep. you and I were both giant fans yep. of, and. I have always felt like I, I, I'm torn. There's nothing wrong with recognizing good work yeah. and good work should be recognized. But at the same time, the entertainment industry is so self-congratulatory right. all the yep. time, right? Like, it's just a bit much for me. <laughs> and that's what's kind of amazing about it, too. You got to think that in this, uh, you know, uh, culture we're in right now, TV has won in a way, right? The movie business is yeah. trying to figure out, you know, itself, right? There are still like, you know, like Marvel movies and stuff like that, but obviously people are not. There will always be Marvel movies. <laughs> right. And they're still massively <laughs> successful. And even when they put them yeah. on Disney, there's, you know, at the same time, right. they're still making money uh, in the theaters. So there are these kind of events, but in general, really it's, it's crazy that even movies that I think are great movies I don't feel compelled to run out and see them in theaters. So some of my favorite movies, I am watching them at home and I love the convenience of it. So the movies are trying to figure it out. So everything basically is television now. Everything is television. Mm -hmm. So it almost feels like redundant for the Emmy Awards to be like, wow, we had a great year. It's like, yeah, guys. <laughs> but at the same time, <laughs> at the same time, people are- We were all stuck in <laughs> Exactly, home. exactly. But at the same time, I do not find it compelling to watch these uh, awards. You know, I, I don't know. It's not interesting to me. But the awards, just to kind of run down the basics, like you mentioned, Mayor of Easttown won all the performance uh, awards, right? Well deserved. Yeah, all great performances. But the best show, they did not win this, uh, you know, uh, whatever they call it. It's, they have all these weird categories. It was not in I series. Know. It's in like a mini series because I guess it's a. it's not right. a episodic enough episodes or, which yeah. is mm -hmm. crazy by the way because i think that american horror story the first season because it was an anthology was in this category but now it's mm -hmm. a series and the same thing if mary east mm -hmm. sound actually has a second season they can't take away its uh awards for for miniseries right so i don't know right i don't know how this works once again maybe another reason people don't care about these things the queen's gambit won uh the award which was a huge success this year for yeah, I did not watch it, but I know people loved it. Everybody loved it. I watched it. I uh, It's a total fantasy, which I guess that's what people wanted to see during COVID. I found it very dramatically uncompelling. Uh, the performances are good, but I was just, I would like to have a conversation with you when you watch it. I found it so amazing that it's a, sh it's a movie where, you know, here's a woman who's trying to make it in chess and all these men are sexist and they, and she basically wins and wins and wins. I literally joked that that was my, um, the, my review for the show was all I do is win, 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 like, like DJ Colin. It's like, uh, you know, they're basically like, that's it. She's like, she wins. And then everybody who's in her way just says, you know what, you're the best. And we all want the best for you. There's absolutely no dramatic tension. <laughs> and then the show wow. ends. Wow, so spoilers. Like, <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm going to tell you what happens along the way. But basically, it's just like one success after another. And you're like, okay, well. All right. And uh, it's beautiful to look at and everything, but wow, I, I, I don't understand the hysteria for it, except that maybe people needed something to make them feel good in the middle of COVID, obviously, which I can understand completely. And speaking of which, was something that I think ran the table completely in the comedy section was Ted Lasso. And yes, which I still have. Yeah. Seen. And I have been caught, I caught up on season two. Season two is having a rough, like people have kind of turned on the show. I, I have heard that. I yeah. agree that season two is not as good as season one. It's much longer season. The first season was really short. 
it was kind of perfect this little perfect little short right. thing and i think they're having a little growing pains it's still fine i mean you could watch it and enjoy it it's just not the kind of revelation that it was season one yeah but, well it's hard we have such high expectations we do. of these shows to just continue to deliver over time and and i think that's it's a hard expectation to me yeah, i totally agree and and the, the queen one best series have you i've never seen a single episode of the queen although i hear everybody recommends and because it's like an anthology you mean the, crown? the crown i'm sorry the crown yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> i was thinking about the queen's gambit i got confused <laughs> Uh, you know, like, I, I mean, I really am showing my um, lowest common denominator <laughs> side here or whatever, but like, I just don't like things that are said in the past, <laughs> as you may know. <laughs> well, you liked, uh, you yeah, like Cruel Summer. You like Cruel Summer. up to the current timeline, but. <laughs> you like Cruel Summer, but that's, that's too far back, right? But, but. Yeah, the 80s are really as far well, back as I can The go. current season, <laughs> but this is why I was going to watch it, to be honest with you. There were all these people who recommended it saying you should just watch the current season because it's basically an anthology. Charles and Charles Diana. Charles and Diana, right? It's yeah. the 80s, right? It is, yeah. it is in mm -hmm. our timeline, right? So. And I, I mean, yeah. just in general, I'm not much of a, an Anglophile, so I don't like, you know, I know some people who are. Exactly. Uh, I am not an Anglophile at yeah. all. I find it bores me to tears. What, again, whatever that says about my intellectual depth and my intellectual curiosity, I own it. I really just don't freaking care. So. <laughs> sure. I, I understand yeah. that completely, actually. Oh, yeah. So as far as the finale of uh, Reservation Dogs, which I did watch this week, which was very good. Uh, tied up the season really well, and it could almost be like a a, a series recapper uh, mm -hmm. if it wanted to be. I'm almost certain this is coming back for season two, but uh, you know they set things up, but they leave it in a way. The, th the only thing I would say is that I kind of mentioned when I first talked about it that the the season premiere, the pilot, was kind of standard issue. You know, it was a cut above, but pretty familiar. I would say the the season finale felt the same way. So it's almost like they wrote, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. it's almost like they wrote this beginning and ending episode, uh, you know, kind of uh, in conventional ways. To, and then they really had free reign in the in the middle of the season. But uh, yeah, I mean, still very good. So I mean, I'm not going to ding the show for that. And uh, but I hope that they get you know even weirder <laughs> in season two. To be honest with you, yeah, uh -huh. I can't wait to watch. It's definitely like very high priority. Yeah, I would recommend. And like I said, if you if you start watching tonight, like you know, like I said, the season episode one. Yeah, I can just knock it out in a little bit. Let's kick off things properly with our recap of Only Murders in the Building episode whatever it is five six <laughs> to protect and serve. You know what? Let's just turn it off. No, that was a suicide, open and shut. Okay, but, um, sorry. What about the paw prints? <gasps> because the cat that came in after and they, they found it. You for real? So what? The cat did it? <laughs> no, for real, let's, let's just, so the cat did it. Why are you listening to this? My yard dog homies were boosting it on Twitter. I mean, these guys, they're, they're dopey, but they tell the story really well. I want to get your feedback on this episode because I honestly think moment to moment that this was my favorite episode of the show so far with one giant, <laughs> you know, ding against it. So I'm curious to know where you are with, on this episode. Well, I really enjoyed this episode. I have been curious about that detective character since the first episode, mm -hmm. which is the only other time we've seen her, I guess. Right. So I was really excited to see this at least partly told from her perspective and learn more about her home life and 
I, I thought the tie-ins with the other stuff going on in the show and her wife or girlfriend, I'm not sure which, it were really clever. Um, I, I enjoyed all of that perspective. I liked uh, meeting Mabel's mom mm -hmm. and I thought actually they cast an actress yeah. that very much looked like she mm -hmm. could actually be her yeah. mom. I actually, I didn't um, do the research, I, but I actually suspected, like, I'm like, are they related possibly? <laughs> yeah, they looked really similar, mm -hmm. right? I didn't look it up either. Um, and I liked their interactions and I liked uh, where her mother was coming from. And, you know, as a parent, you kind of think about whether you're making those decisions, the right decisions for your kids and the things you wish you could do differently. Yep. I liked all of that. I'm not sure what your ding was. My ding is, um, I will say, I like this show a lot considering I don't really like Martin Short or Nathan Lane. <laughs> Oh, um, for me, there was too much Nathan Lane because I don't really like Nathan Lane. <laughs> well, I, it, my, my critique is tangentially related to that. And I'll, I'll get, we'll, we'll break down the episode and I'll tell you exactly when it comes up. Okay. It's partially related to that. In general, I would not watch a show that stars Martin Short. I enjoy the fact that, especially when it, it's, he's interacting with Steve Martin, that there is, um, you know, he's obviously, a, you know, criticizing or, or playing with his, uh, with that persona, right? Eager and um, sometimes irritating yeah. <laughs> persona. Always to me. And, right. You know, I actually, as an aside, I got tickets to David Letterman's last season. I got tickets to one of, I got a ticket to one of his shows. You know, I had been the hugest Letterman fan since high school. So this was like this amazing thing to finally get there and see the show. And the main guest was Martin Short. Oh boy. Oh, wow. <laughs> and it was like, wah, wah. and you still hold the grudge <laughs> to this very day. <laughs> I do. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I just really dislike him and his whole shtick for some reason, although I do enjoy him in the this. The woman show. who played called Mandy Gonzalez. Mm -hmm. And she is not related to Selena Gomez, as far as I can tell from her bio. Just good casting. Yeah, exactly. She, well, I mean, these are glamour pictures. So like on her IMDb profile, she's much more attractive than she, I mean, not that she was unattractive on the show, but she's, you know, obviously much more <laughs> glammed up, I'd say in these pictures. So she does. Thanks for bringing the Mel <laughs> She does, this episode of the podcast. She doesn't look her age, let's say. I'll just put it that way. But she's not that old anyway, but anyway. All right. So <laughs> probably best left at that. <laughs> Before you step in exactly, just back away, <laughs> put down the microphone and walk away. <laughs> anyway, so we begin, we begin in voiceover. Once again, I have to now go back and I was planning to do this and still haven't had a chance to do it, but I definitely will do it after this because I'm reminding myself, but we have another new voiceover uh, character, yes. which is interesting because I, you know, retroactively realized that in episode four, I guess it was. Uh, we had Tina Fey as the voiceover at the beginning. And mm. then in episode five, last week, we had uh, Oscar. Oscar. Uh, so now I'm remembering the actual numbers of these episodes. <laughs> and now today, uh, or this week, we had Detective D. I believe her name is D, right? Or they maybe that's her initial, initial, but that's what her wife calls her. I really don't know her name. They just yeah. have her as Detective Williams, but as her wife calls her D. So I don't know if that's an initial or if her name is D, like D-E-E, -E, or if it's short right. for detective. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we have her as voiceover at the beginning, which is interesting because we started with our core cast in voiceover. Mm -hmm. Now we've right. kind of expanded it in the last three episodes to other members. 
like you mentioned, I liked seeing her home life. The reason I like this episode so much is, you know, sometimes I excerpt some jokes into the um, episode itself when I put editing it together, mm-hmm. our episodes. And I don't even know where to start with this one. There is like literally so, so many, cl- like just clever dialogue, like continuously throughout this entire episode. I have thought this before about this show, but I, I think I thought it the most yeah. about this episode that I could watch it again and I would catch a lot of stuff that I missed the first time. It's, it, what's funny about it is I had heard in another uh, review that I read, I should say not heard, but in the review I read, they talked about how there's like an element of like almost like 30 Rock in this show because of all the, uh, you know, kind of um, the gag lines. But I think w- what's different about this type of show is that it doesn't like put the jokes out front. It's so much just rat-a-tat, rat-a-tat. It's all just in their dialogue yeah. with each other. There's so many jokes. It's incredible. I was never the biggest 30 yeah, Rock fan. Neither. It was a little bit absurd mm-hmm. for me. And I'm not, I, I have a very fine line with absurdity, but I, I mean, as absurd as this um, <laughs> right. plot uh, device, <laughs> the underlying thing driving this whole, <laughs> the premise may be, um, I, I don't find this show absurd though, generally. I just find it super, super well, First of all, just to call out the really funny thing is I like how her, uh, Dee's wife or the detective's wife wants to call the their son uh their you know that she's pregnant currently yeah i want to call him kareem after kareem abdul-jabbar and she goes well you know kareem has you know he, he's he's a scholar he's an author he's a uh you know philanthropist yes. he's an entrepreneur he's a you know like you know kareem abdul-jabbar by the way incredibly impressive person even beyond his basketball career let's just to call that out there but you know she's kind of saying this and these like oh yeah also that guy from uh you know um a different world and uh like yes. that's a uh, kadeem hardest yes and also like what a very specific a a few very specific shout outs to i don't know 80s early 90s and early 90s i think is the uh, the herman's head reference and and the kadeem hardison different world reference like um very specific demographic there that's going to get those references i I did get both of them so i'm proud of myself (laughs) and that's what i liked so much about it was that it's like this it's it's this you know rat-a-tat kind of jokiness Mm -hmm. but it's so casual and anyway i found it very funny (laughs) the whole thing was very funny I mean, I don't think many people have thought of Herman's head once in the last 20 years. Or, so. or Kadeem Hardison. How, when have I thought about that name since like a different world was off the air like 20 years ago? Mm-hmm. And then of yep. course, another thing here that I like that is almost like maybe this is thematic. Maybe, you know, maybe I'm giving the show too much credit, but I like the fact that it's those guys who were uh, that the horticulture horticulture podcasters they recommended this podcast so then she listened to it and oh my god it's your case d right and then of course oh by the way let me just interject to say yet another beautiful piece of manhattan real estate oh yes yes um i know detectives can do quite well and i don't know what the partner does but like uh i mean this apartment is gorgeous. Yeah. So anyway, go <laughs> yes, ahead. It might be rent controlled. We don't know. We don't know all the details. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they've got like this giant room that they're making into a nursery. My kid's living in a partitioned off dining room. So <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm jealous. Yeah. Especially living in New York. I can only imagine how hard it is to, uh, to watch this and just like, you know, bite your knuckle the whole time. Like, oh man. <laughs> and I did find it very funny. Like when she says, well, you know, there are some surprising things about this case and like the detectives yes. like offense, like, Oh my gosh, are you questioning my <laughs> investigation? So awkward too, right? <laughs> yes, to realize exactly. that 
how all of these things are coming together, <laughs> right. like in a split second. Yeah. <laughs> and then, uh, but this all comes together in the fact that the payoff here is that over the course of the episode, we cut back a couple of times to D and she starts to, you know, dot her I's and cross her T's on this investigation. Yeah. Finds out that toxicology was never run, finds out that the, the phone never went to IT. She's right. savvy enough to be like, well, someone's trying to cover something up, which she's right. not brave enough, unfortunately, to, you know, basically say that means I'm going to put my foot down and do something about this. But what it does do is she puts that phone into a bag and she addresses right. it to Mabel. And then yeah. we, at some point, we'll see that Mabel ends up with that phone. We'll get to that. Yeah. I wonder why she chose that Mabel. is a good question. Other than, other than she's yeah, a just woman and she's brownish. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe she preferred yeah, it to some two old white guys. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. I might do the same. <laughs> Based on your previous comments, maybe. <laughs> I got a little excited when I saw this because I'm like, oh, we're onto a real case here. Like this is an actual investigation that we're going to have to like, you know, pay attention to the clues and mm -hmm. solve this thing. So I, I no, I mean, I, I took it to be that from the yeah. start, to be honest. So yeah, I, that to me all lines up with my expectations. I would say that I hoped it would be, you know, the, the, the mystery ends up being very secondary or tertiary to the whole point of the show. <clears throat> like Mare of Easttown. <laughs> <laughs> True. I mean, not in a comedic way. But. Yeah, that, that's actually a good point, right? That in the end, the the, the uh, solution there, no spoilers, but people, we won't spoil it. But the do list yeah. to our old episodes, if you want to know more about that. And the show, of course, watch the show. <laughs> That'll tell you too. Yeah. But uh, yeah, the, the payoff there is, uh, you know, is surprising. Let's just leave it there. So yeah. Angel was the person that Kono was trying to buy yeah. this jewelry mm -hmm. from. I had forgotten that specifically because it's going to be a clue later. Right. There's a yes. specific ring that... Um, he was working for and at, yes. early in the episode i'm like oh that specific ring it was the the diamond ring that came you know that they i thought so too i was so sure right. yeah and mm -hmm. uh but that turns out to not be the case we will find out right. the ring he was actually looking for before that yes so then you know we meet mabel's mom like you mentioned not only did i think that she was like a really nice actress i thought they had great chemistry i loved seeing mabel with her mom i thought like i, li I yeah. literally for some reason when she walked into that i'm like oh we're 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 just wasting time here like oh no now we have an episode where they're all making mm -hmm. jokes around the dinner table mm -hmm. or whatever and i end up loving this dynamic i thought that it was very sincere she obviously cares for her daughter and i know i just love this whole interaction that was really good but wasn't it weird that they left the tattoo shop without someone waiting around for Cutter or whoever it was? Because I think they even make a reference to it that they said that I don't think he's going to show up, you know. But it, oh, okay. You know what I mean? I think that they said like they didn't think he's going to show up because okay. I, assuming, I guess, that he knows that Kona was dead, right? So he's not going to, um, you know, okay. gotcha. to show up. And maybe they waited a little while. Oh, there's some pretty funny interactions like around the table where Mabel's like, I mean, I'm sorry, where Mabel's mother yes. saying, uh, you know, why are you hanging out with my daughter anyway? Like, this is just strange. Yeah. You don't understand. Like she, you know, she had issues in the past and stuff and I don't want her to get yeah. obsessed with this. And this is just seems weird. Like, and she says, what are you, 80? <laughs> and Martin Short Oliver <laughs> says, I'll have you know that I'm in my early mid 60s. <laughs> my early mid 60s. And she goes, and how many subscribers do they have to your podcast? And uh, they said 17 subscribers. I'm like, <laughs> we, even we got that beat. So, <laughs> And then uh, we find out some things. Mabel apparently has night terrors. She, she says it in Spanish, but that's what the right. translation is. 
And, yes. uh, you know, Mabel's been haunted by her past. Um, what a mom mentions to her during these conversations that uh, I did love, by the way, as they're leaving, the whole interaction with randos. <laughs> yes, so funny. Where, you know, they yeah. basically, you know, <laughs> call themselves randos. And then, uh, you know, Oliver says, you know, basically explains what randos are. <laughs> and I liked, uh, but I, my favorite was because I've been in this case, you know, I work with very young people in IT. And uh, I basically mm -hmm. end up in the same situation, not with randos, but with some slang, which I don't understand what they're saying. But yeah, but uh -huh. I'm always in that shoe. And Stephen Martin goes, I, I used context. I, I used context clues. Yes, I used context clues. But thank, but thank you anyway. <laughs> <laughs> because I oftentimes am having a conversation where someone's talking about something that's happening on the internet, like something in meme culture. And I'm like, I understand yeah. what they're talking about, but only from context clues. <laughs> You yeah. don't understand the actual words they're using. <laughs> so they do decide at that moment to leave her alone. And they let Mabel, you know, stays with her mom and they leave. And then we have a bunch of funny things. I like Charles and uh, Oliver's interactions back at, is it Oliver's apartment or Charles' apartment that they're in? I, I thought it was Oliver's. It's wherever they have all the gut milk, by the way, <laughs> which I think is Oliver's, right? Right. And maybe that's why. And that was a great yes. sequence of events because I had forgotten <laughs> yes. about the gut. Because I love the, how casual that conversation is. We got yelled at by a mom. I know. I'm shook. Mabel taught me that word. Mm, same. You know, it's a law of nature. Nothing good ever happens on Long Island. <laughs> gut milk is really good. Right? I think it's giving me abs. 13% alcohol. Mm. Cheers. 13% alcohol. <laughs> oh, no wonder it's so good. <laughs> and it keeps going. This this whole sequence gets really, really funny. And I like when Martin Short goes, oh, uh, Teddy just texted me and he says, I have to see you right now. Yes. Charles goes, oh, it's in all caps. <laughs> yeah. must be important. And he's like, oh, no, that's how he always texts. Because <laughs> that's yeah. another one of those old people texts like, Yes. <laughs> when old people yeah, are always I mean, texting literally, at you, always screaming at you in your texts. Uh, yeah, I literally had an interaction with my mom, which like, um, as you know, part of the madness of my life recently <laughs> is that my child was in the ER over the weekend. He's fine. But while she, while I was there, she said, so-and-so is asking how Oscar is. You have to text her, exclamation point. And I literally wrote back, why are you yelling at me? Can you let me get home from the ER? And she said, I'm not yelling at you. I'm just asking you to do this. <laughs> it's like, well, what was the explanation point? There's no point explanation point that, necessary. <laughs> There's a reason for punctuation. Yes. <laughs> and for all caps. <laughs> exactly. So then they go to talk to Teddy. And this is another really funny sequence. I, I loved the name of the podcast, by the way. Demas Chicken Wraps. Yes, Chicken presents Wraps presents. Only murders in the building. <laughs> mm -hmm. But uh, we see Tina Fey playing Cinda Candy uh, on Jimmy yes. Fallon, another big cameo for yes. this show, right? And uh, she, so many cameos in this show. It's ridiculous. And she is making fun of them. Right, do, you, do you ever feel like you've been too inspirational? Cinda, you know, like everyone has a podcast now. It has gotten a little out there. Like, I guess the actor who played Brazos has his own podcast now. What? 
Wait, a Charles uh, uh, Hayden Church? Or, no, I'm mixing him up. I, he's Brazos, and he's <laughs> investigating a real murder uh, in his Upper West Side building with a theater director and one of their granddaughters. Wow. And their prime suspect is Sting. No! <laughs> Yes. No. The title of their podcast is Demas Chicken Wraps Presents Colon Only Murders in the Building. <laughs> <laughs> well, I do. I do love Ch Demas Chicken Wrap. Love them. Everybody loves a Demas Chicken Wrap. <laughs> My goodness. There's no such thing as bad publicity, exactly. right? So, so before, mm -hmm. but before that, Oliver's thinking like, oh my God, you know, Teddy's going to pull the funds and we're, we're screwed. Yes. And Teddy turns around and goes, do you know how big Jimmy Fallon is in Greece? <laughs> my <laughs> relatives are going to yes. be so jealous. <laughs> yeah. So he loves this and he gives him an additional $50,000, right? Yep. Right By the chat. way, I remember having this experience when, you know, we, our podcast, when Mayor, we were recapping Mayor of Easttown, became very popular all of a sudden. And I had that same experience where Steve Martin's like saying like, there's more listeners, there's more listeners. And yeah. I literally would do that. I would just open up the app and I'm like, oh my God, the numbers just keep going up. <laughs> like, how is it? What's happening? And the nice um, counterpart of like, my numbers aren't going up. Why not? And without even looking at his phone, he goes, you're in you're airplane mode. Exactly. Again. No. Again, exactly. <laughs> and that's another great uh, moment too. It's like almost like a couple thing. It's like my wife does mm -hmm. that all the time where, you know, For sure. you know I'm telling her like, uh, uh, you know, uh, oh, you're you're not connected to the Wi-Fi. It's because you're not connected to the Wi-Fi. And she's like, I am on the Wi-Fi. I'm like, no, you're not on the Wi-Fi. <laughs> so they're like kind of bickering like a couple. Yes, They've only been absolutely. hanging out for a little bit. So that's actually, you know, kind of speaks right. to their, their, their camaraderie, yes. right? But here is where I have my one big caveat. When Teddy Demas goes into his backstory and they bring in the uh, Armenian genocide. And I was like, holy cow. Like, especially recently that you see lightweight shows trying to introduce real uh, historical events into the plot uh, to kind of uh -huh. raise awareness. Like the, watch, um, the yeah. show uh -huh. Watchmen, which is excellent, by the way, for anybody who hasn't watched that. I remember seeing the first episode of Watchmen and seeing the Tulsa massacre, which now everybody's talking about this year. But I remember mm -hmm. at the time that when that episode opened with that, I was like, oh my God, I, I never even knew this happened. And I remember going yeah. to work the next day and we were all talking about it going like, holy cow, like, yeah. this is like a forgotten part of history. What a shocking thing to discover watching. Uh, forgotten is not the right word, but okay. well, I mean, well, I, it's intentionally, I mean, intentionally forgotten. I mean, even in Oklahoma, it's kind of been erased from their history, but it was just erased. Is yeah, oh, oh yes, forgotten. yes, yes. But I, I'm just saying that something so egregious and historically could be erased. This is kind of shocking, right? And that something, yes, sure. I'm with you. And on that, that a comic book adaptation really brought it into the national conversation, mm -hmm. like uh, to a, a huge extent, right? Mm -hmm. After that, I remember, I remember opening, you know, Google News, and there were multiple headlines about the Tulsa right. uh, massacre mm -hmm. that was triggered by this uh, episode of, of Watchmen, right? All that mm -hmm. is to say that I think it's great that in recent history this has been happening, but my problem with this part of the show is the pivot from like the Jimmy Fallon part, which was so funny. And then we turn and Nathan Lane is telling us this potentially really problematic story about this. In the end, I didn't even know if he was telling the truth or not. I know. That's what I mean. And that's my concern. I don't know if it's Nathan Lane's yeah. performance. I don't know if the show is going to turn this into a punchline. 
But since I had just been laughing at like one zinger after another, I'm like, mm. are, we, are we going here for real? And if we are going here for real, yeah. I don't think the show is pulling off this tone at all. Yeah, I didn't care for it. I'm with yeah. you. And it was, I, I found it very problematic in, a, in an episode that, I mean, other than that, I really like loved like across the board. And I was like, what, what, what is happening right now? Yeah, I was confused at the end of that sequence. Yeah, sure. So then another uh, part of the show that I really did like, though, is I really loved seeing Oliver Mabel together <laughs> looking at her kids' pictures. And, Oscar and Mabel. Oh, I'm sorry, Oscar. Uh, I'm sorry, those mm-hmm. old names confuse me. Os- Oscar <laughs> yeah. and Mabel. And by the way, you were absolutely correct that, you know, I was like, why is he really just trying to get her away? Is he just trying to keep her from investigating or does he, is it like the, but I did feel after here, and maybe I'm curious to know your impression of it, I think he's being sincere, right? He really wants to rekindle something with her, right? Did you feel that way? I think that is sincere. And I also think he's hiding something. Yes, he's he's definitely <laughs> hiding something, yeah. But I'm just saying that yeah. his motivations, so, I think, primarily. No, I think yeah. he legitimately likes her, yeah. Very sweet conversation, too, about when she's like, I was saving myself for you. Well, not saving <laughs> yeah, myself. Yeah, that was very funny. Myself, but like saving myself. <laughs> um, and I, it actually, like, it kind of as I'm talking about it now, it reminds me of one of my favorite movie, the trilogy of them, or now there are before sunrise, Mm -hmm. before sunset, before midnight, right? Mm -hmm. So trilogy, Mm -hmm. yeah. So of like how somebody can kind of spin your life in a certain direction where like then once they're absent from it, you're just waiting for them to return because it was so significant, nice, you know? Nice. So yeah, yeah, that's a good that's a good analogy. But I love these pictures. I have a feeling, just a gut instinct, that these are actual kids' pictures of, of Selena, of like Selena Gomez. Yeah. And that's great. Definitely and like I it. love how he's making fun of like, like what what did you do to your mom for her to give you a bowl cut? Yes. <laughs> the whole interaction was very funny. And I did yes, love and the bangs that she poorly yes. decided to go for. And, and yeah. that's what I was going to say is that thank goodness that she got rid of those bangs before the show started, because you would have raged. You know how I feel. I was like, I literally wrote that in a note. Sona would have rage quit this show if she was had, if she had bangs. <laughs> <laughs> like there's too much bangs in my life. Wow. It's true. So, yeah, so then she talks to her mom, her mom goes uh, and she kind of turns things around. Her mom kind of says, you know, I know you were depressed and everything else, but. I think you're trying to do something productive here. So Selena Gomez goes back the back into New York. She goes and sees uh, Charles and Oliver again. And she's like, I want to finish it. Peace offerings. Yeah. yeah. Expired hummus. Oh, expired Sorry. hummus. <laughs> yes, <laughs> of course. Of course, expired hummus. I like, I, that's very funny, right? That where uh, um, <laughs> she goes, he goes, this is expired. And she goes, you know, you're going to eat it anyway. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like yeah true enough. it's a day it's, it's fine <laughs> that's true a day come on with hummus <clears throat> and um oh i have another note here which the voice by the way you were right this voice is definitely an affectation because you can kind of see when she's like really laying it on sometimes but uh, i'm not sure what it serves and pur- what purpose it serves yeah i don't love it i have to say i don't have a problem with her generally i just don't particularly love See, sometimes when she's really working at the you know trying to do that vocal fry thing Uh where um yeah you know i could see her working at it but like you said most of the time i don't even think about it but sometimes i really notice oh yeah so then she shows up she has the phone and another there's one more clue i totally forgot by the way back when we're looking at photographs there is a big clue that um they all notice together which is Mm -hmm. that oscar notices in the picture 
that Zoe is wearing a ring, a big green ring. Yeah. And says, and Tavo has texted Mabel the picture yep. of the piece of jewelry that Tim Kona was expecting. Exactly. And it is that same ring. Exactly. And the last thing is that Oscar said she wasn't wearing it. She was wearing it in the party picture, but she wasn't wearing it where her body was found. And Mabel's like, are you sure? And he's like, I remember everything about that day. Absolutely. She did not have that ring on. So someone took that ring. So potentially if Kono found the ring, he found who had the ring. And that means something big. Right. And then he died. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. So, um, yeah, so she shows up. She has that piece of information. She has the phone, which was delivered to her, which is locked, but they'll have to figure out how to unlock it. That should be entertaining with these. <laughs> I, yeah, I mean, I honestly can't even imagine how you would begin to guess someone's password, especially someone you don't know very well. I mean, mine is just a random selection of numbers, to be honest. So. You know, it's one, 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 one. I don't know. Just one, 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 one. Yours is one, 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 one. No, no, I was like, you know, it's going to be one, 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 one. I'm, I'm uh, kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> yeah. Just like people who use password, password is password. Uh -huh. Oh, yeah. And then, of course, the last thing is as they were going to rip up that check, because Charles is like, we can't accept this check if we're not going to continue the podcast anymore. And that's because, mm. right, Nathan Lane yes. has started a foundation in his grandmother's name or in his grandmother's honor. Yeah. Um, and that's where he is funding this podcast from. And they see that that name is Angel. That's right. That's right. And another dun, dun, dun. Yes. And uh, I mean, if you want to speculate that, I'm pretty sure that he would not be funding them to extend the podcast if he thought they were getting close to. Yeah, it would seem unwise. I do have a question. Mm -hmm. The final, or maybe it's not the final thing. I can't remember the exact sequence of events after the episode proper ends. There are those drawings that they do of all the people and the detective is on the right side and there's a man on the left yes. side. Mm -hmm. of, um, did you, do you know what I'm talking yeah, about? At the, during the credits, there's, yep. Yeah, who is that? That's a good question. And now I'm wondering if they're introducing another character. So now I'd have to look at the credits from the previous episodes to see if there's, like in other words, right. if they're right, introduced, right. if they're giving us a clue to the next episode right. possibly. So now I, now I I felt like it was some sort of clue mm -hmm. that they bothered to give the detective a drawing yep. and then pair her with someone. Right. And I didn't know who they were pairing her with. And now I have to do a little more detective work. So the two things I have to do, my ho my <laughs> homework is I have to look to see what happened in the previous credits to see if there were any clues there Yeah. at the end of those other episodes. And the second thing is to look at who else has had voiceover um, in episode two and three. The next episode is cool. called The Boy from 6B, then Fan Fiction, then Double Time, then Open and Shut. So four more episodes. Oh. Well, we got one for you. Say hello to Angel. Teddy Demas? Wait, so you're saying- That's right. Our prime sponsor is now our prime suspect. Ooh, that's good. That will make a great last line for an episode.
next topic, let's talk about Nine Perfect Strangers. This episode, the finale of this season, I hope it's the only season of the show, I believe it will be, to be honest with you, uh, <laughs> is called Ever After. What did you think about this episode? I have many, many things to say about this episode. What did you think? So, actually, after last week's penultimate episode, I had very, very low expectations for this episode because I just liked last week's episode so much. I actually like this more than I expected to like it. I would say that I liked this episode better than I expected. It wasn't a complete train wreck. Uh, but, you know, I think I, I told you this via text earlier. I think I'm about 30% positive, 70% negative on this one. So, um, probably 50 50. Okay. Yeah, I figured from your feedback. Yeah. All right, so my I kind of took notes from my moment-to-moment reactions of this thing, and uh, I got, I had very very low expectations when I saw the previously on, because the, the previously mm-hmm. on of the episode it was like everything like at the end of last week. Oh my god, if they're reminding us all these things, this is all we're gonna get is just this stuff, and uh, and it started off pretty much like I worried that it would be. Oh, first of all, it was longer; it was about fifty-five minutes. Not though, I was really worried it was gonna be like sometimes like whatever, like a Game of Thrones or Succession mm-hmm. as like a one and a half hour finale. And I'm like, oh, this better not be a one, yeah. not be a one and a half hour finale. I won't have the yeah. tolerance for it. So slightly, uh-huh. slightly longer, 55 minutes, but not, not much longer. The very first scene of this is exactly what I didn't want to happen. And what we do is we pick up with Masha and Carmel together after the reveal with her cloudy eye last week. Mm-hmm. we see that oh i never meant to shoot you that when i met mm-hmm. you but you were so dismissive of me and just threw some cash at me i got so mad and i'm such a good makeup artist oh, yeah. i made myself look like I a man so good at what i used to do i used to be so good at so many things but mm-hmm. it stole it all away from me you know mm-hmm. and uh, but she has a revelation about that later on but anyway so then uh you know and she says i was your text stalker and we see the insert shot again just her hand grabbing the phone just so we remember she had access to a phone but of course also like predicted last week i was like oh they're gonna just undo all this stuff that is superfluous anyway and of course that's exactly what they do they're like okay she's like i just wanted to do this and the other thing and uh i just wanted to scare you and uh Masha's like, no, Carmel, this is ridiculous, by the way. Carmel, no, there's nothing for you to be apologized for. All of this is because of you. If you had never yes. shot me, mm-hmm. <laughs> I would never have been here. So thank you so much for shooting me those years ago. Anyway, so that's the whole thing. And then she starts calling her babushka and she passes out. I don't know if babushka is a trigger word. It's not explained. No, no, not babushka. Um La Puchka, La Puchka. I think it was. Yes. To get back to your point, it looked to me almost like she put some kind of weird sleeper hold on her and she just <laughs> she passed out. out. She passed out. Like I said, I don't know if they, she's been, you know, when she goes into their rooms, unexplained, by the way, if this is the case, she can has like trigger words for them. I, I don't know. Like for hypnosis. I yeah. don't know. Or yeah. if it was just a pill because she did take a pill before she got there. So it could have been some kind of sedative. So I, I don't, but mm-hmm. she passes out as she's, you know, basically just repeating this word to her over and over again. Yeah. And I was really angry <laughs> at this point. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, okay, they're undoing over, uh, you know, they're, they're uh, you know, it's the same kind. Of, and once again, this might be a David E. Kelly thing. Maybe I just can't watch David Kelly shows anymore. You know, it's the same idea of like, you know, you have to overpack everything to keep people engaged. Like they're going to just turn the mm-hmm. episode off. 
it, I feel like it's soap opera. For me, it feels like soap opera writing is my, and now when I think back on his career, like for example, the practices show, I never watched because I thought it was so ridiculous, but maybe it's just his style. And maybe some people, obviously he's very rich. He's an industry in and of himself. Mm-hmm. He is married to an incredibly beautiful woman. <laughs> He's still beautiful, even at her, you know, 60 years old or whatever she is, Michelle Pfeiffer. You are just digging that <laughs> hole today, but okay, go ahead. Hey, I'm giving mm-hmm. some props to an older woman who's very attractive. That's a good thing. You, I think that you just, you may have just said, despite her advanced age. Oh, that's not what I, I so. meant, even at her. No, mm-hmm. well, all right. <laughs> that's not better. Okay, maybe I step away. I'm stepping away. <laughs> So yeah. anyway, uh, you know, maybe it's just not my style uh, of his writing, but <laughs> I'm not going to watch any more of his shows. Long story short. Yeah. And I was really annoyed by this. And then, um, you know, they basically undo the sub, the stalker thing. What's the stalker? Oh, mm-hmm. no, it was just Carmel. All for undo, yep. Take that whole thing out. Um, Carmel, who, the cloudy eye. What, what's all that about? Nope. Don't worry about it. Out. Tony and Francis, they're not going to end up together. No, oh, this guy. Undo. Undo. Mm-hmm. Now they're hanging out together, trying to get off the, the grounds together, right? So it's all all undone. She just walks up to him and goes, hey, I said some bad things yesterday. Let's just forget it never happened. He's like, cool. All right, there you go. Why did we have that scene? No purpose. <laughs> so this is where I'm at with the show at yep. this moment. I was furious. <laughs> and they had done exactly what I described. And mm-hmm. and like I made me feel like, so last week's episode was purposeless. Pointless. Pointless. Okay, yep. great. But then I am surprised by the next uh, course of events. So I should have expected this, but Lars tells the Marconis about the previous bad um, results. Yes. So I was like, oh, okay, you surprised me, show. I didn't see that coming, even though I probably should have. Mm-hmm. And then I also thought that Marsha, uh, Masha's uh, response was great. I was like, you know who I am? I'm you. I've been in your shoes. I dealt with the same thing. Mm-hmm. I thought that was all really good. Like of all the things mm-hmm. I could have written, which in the back of my mind, once again, my the bar is set very low at this point. I'm like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> everyone just should just walk off <laughs> the grounds immediately. But she- But I yeah. mean, listen, they're already like on their way to tripping at this yeah. point, right? Which is like the insane thing that people seem to um, float in and out of coherence right. at convenient yeah. times in this show, which is kind of annoying. I mean, too. when you're drunk or high or whatever, you definitely, you know, you get more inebriated, let's say, when you let your guard down and, you know, you can sober up real quick. <laughs> I was about to say, though, but listen, I know for a fact that when I have been drinking, I slur. <laughs> I do not hear myself slurring. Right, right. Okay. Good point. Good point. So you might have thought you were acting sober. True, true. It doesn't mean you are. Right. right. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's a very good point. And especially, I mean, this is it's different with psychedelics. You have a lot less control over your mental states, uh, depending on, on the yeah. impact of the, of the drug itself. But you're right that they're like, you know, they're really going from being very sober acting to being pretty. Um, yeah. Like it's just like zero to a hundred and then back to zero. And then I, I don't know. I didn't. Mean, Really big, like, I'm the sober person at the party vibes from this whole thing. So <laughs> Yes, well, there's a moment in this that I loved, by the way. Probably unintentional, but I laughed so hard. Is the funniest thing that I saw. And we're getting to it pretty quickly. So Lars is recording, and he, he starts recording. So once again, even though he kind of told them and told them they shouldn't do this, he now starts recording again, although he does stop recording at some point. And I did really like Masha's response. I felt in this show that I do not think is very well written at all, um, except for certain scenes, which a lot of that dialogue is actually lifted from the book. 
But uh, for the most part, I don't think that the show is very well written. And I thought that Masha's response was on the curve of this show (laughs) was uh, as as convincing uh, an argument as someone could make, you know, so I, I thought it was pretty well done. No, finally, in the last episode of this show, I finally cared that she had lost her dog. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. I never really got to that point just because I was kind of, I think you were still forgiving of the show in ways that I, I wasn't. Yeah. I didn't care a whole lot, but I cared <laughs> somewhat, a little bit at somewhat. least. Yeah. But just when we start having a little bit of connection with this scene, we have to go back to Carmel. She's in a de- sensory deprivation tank. With her contact back, her contact back, and yeah, exactly. Just because they don't want, I guess they don't want to have her have to wear the her the other her you know the actress doesn't want to wear the contact all the other time. So, and this whole sequence is so irritating to me. We see Glory turns towards the camera, and she's like, "Just listen to me, Carmel, or whatever." And this is what's so frustrating to me. We're in the very last episode, and the show is still playing with what it's actually about. Even now, with just minutes to go, mm-hmm. why is the show still doing this? And it doesn't stop here. It keeps going throughout the rest of the episode. But I still don't know why they had, they made Glory to be so sketchy there for a couple minutes because you know they still don't want to reveal that the show is really just about people dealing with their you know, losses, which is all, all yeah. the show. It's the only thing that has any resonance in the show at all. <laughs> we still are doing yes. everything we could possibly do to not pay attention to that topic at all. Well, except when it comes to the Marconis, where we're like- Right, but in. that's my point, right? So we yeah. cut away multiple times from Marconis to have melodrama injected yes. into the plot. And this happens until the very, yeah. very end of the episode. So I have a specific question to ask you in, in a minute or two. Um, we cut back to, to the Marconis again. Uh, Zoe wanders off. And this is another thing I really don't like about the show. But this is, once again, just frustrates me. Zoe wanders off, and I think, where is Yao? And multiple times in the show, we see people who apparently are tripping and alone and possibly in danger. Mm-hmm. Agree. We know there's a cliff. Yes. We know there's bodies of water. And yep. we always see them mm-hmm. like off on their own. And then the show, what it'll yep. do is like that, like later when the, the point of the show is no longer to make us think that this person might die, the camera kind of pans around and we see like out of focus in the background that there's some caretaker nearby, right? And the show I hadn't noticed. And the that. show doesn't do this. That's interesting. It doesn't do it once or twice. It does it repeatedly. And I'm like, hmm. the generous way to read that is that in your LSD, your you know, stupefied yeah. state, you're not aware of these things, right? Right. Mm-hmm. And uh that's a generous read. In the, my not generous read, and I'm not being generous today, <laughs> is that that it's just another way to be like, oh my God, don't fall off that cliff. And then all of a sudden, you know, Delilah's there and grabs them by the hand because yeah, they were there the whole time. But of mm-hmm, course we didn't mm-hmm. show them there because we wanted you to think their life was right. And it, and they did the same thing here with Yao, where I'm like, where's Yao? And then all of a sudden she at one scene is like talking and the camera pans around and we see that Yao and her parents are like right behind her. And it's like, why, what was the, why do we create this event that we make it feel like she's wandering off by herself and no one's with her just for what, for like, 30 seconds of drama i i don't understand it's it drives me nuts and then right. there's a radio head music song playing i'm gonna like call out the i was very much paying attention to the sound uh, track at this point in the show because i feel like the soundtrack is doing so much of the work i like the radio mm-hmm. like that whole reverie when they all see him i thought was very sweet mm-hmm. and the radio head mm-hmm. song is playing and so I, I like that radio head song that song specifically like blossoms in the middle and that's like the moment where they're all having this shared experience mm-hmm. with him, right and uh, and that was really well done but they undercut it in two ways. The first one is the hilarious thing where 
it's almost like they have a commercial break that they put mm -hmm. into the episode and they they cut back from that break in the scene and now it's like we're watching them have this experience but from like yao's point of view and the yes. music's not playing yes. anymore you know because we're not in the you know we're not in their heads yes. anymore so we're just watching people yeah. be high and oh my god yeah i thought this was hilarious one person's near the tree like touching the tree and like this yeah. wash is like reaching up into this air and it was like literally mm -hmm. like improv 101 where yeah. someone's like it was ridiculous i tend to be high everybody come on yeah it was ridiculous. It was hilarious i laughed i literally wound it to watch it again i'm like oh my god this, this, this is incredible <laughs> so the first way that they undercut it is by cutting to this like improv 101 uh go, go from this like really beautiful like uh scene when they're in the shared hallucination yeah. to the reality of it which was like yeah. an unintended joke i thought it was very very funny and the second way they undercut it is just when we start saying like oh wow this is working everyone's having this shared experience that all of a sudden it turns ugly, right? Zach like turns to Zoe and goes, why didn't you, why didn't you talk to me? And uh, why mm -hmm. didn't you check the label? And why didn't you, uh, why did you hit snooze mm -hmm. on your alarm? And so now it's, it all turns toxic, right? So once again, we have to, you know, we can't even have this one pure moment in the show. We have to get mm -hmm. more uh, drama into it. Uh, this scene could have been good is basically what I'm saying. And I, I felt like they misstepped, but did it work for you at least? I mean, I know what you're saying about the improv part. That was ridiculous. <laughs> so I did appreciate aspects of it and the idea of um, the terrifying thing about life being how it can be so random and arbitrary and there is nothing you can do to control it. And I think that's something as you grow older, or at least as I grow older, the arbitrariness of who lives and who dies and what your life is, it really, um, it's terrifying. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and I think it made that point in a way of like, there, there's nothing you could have done. There's nothing anyone could have done. Right. Like as much as you want to revisit those moments and think, you know, but like, it was that crazy, random, arbitrary thing. And that's the that thing that, and by the way, the book, I don't think does a good enough job exploring this either, although it explores other topics and we'll break the book down at some other later point. I, I think that that's kind of a topic that's not dealt with enough. And I do think that if there's anything here at all, that it is about this topic of like dealing with these losses and how do you let it, how go. Do you let it go? And not only that, I think yeah. there is in the middle of all this really bad writing and these clunky scenes that don't add anything to this theme at all, there is this moment where like Zach and this is much later in the episode, by the way, when things kind of get back on track slightly, where Zach kind of says, stop trying to explain it. And also, yes. don't, ex don't only remember me this way. There's yeah. all these other things I did, like remember everything, yeah. right? And Yeah, when I'm thinking of this, I'm thinking of the interaction as a whole. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I guess I'm moving past that point in the episode. But yeah, I mean, I think that at least it, it, relating it to my own personal experiences or perspective, it's that idea of, um, I think, as much as it would suck to think I could have changed the course of things, it could have been different. And and maybe, maybe, but like accepting that maybe you couldn't have, that's even scarier. Sometimes just really, really awful things happen and there's nothing that can be done. That's terrifying. I totally think that that is a topic that's worth exploring. I don't think this show really explored that, to be honest, right? Yeah. And I think that is the opportunity that they kind of passed up on so that we could focus on masha's sex life and who is sending mm -hmm. her text messages right like mm -hmm. and that's and that's my 
my criticism there. But back in the plot, though, uh, we have, uh, you know, they, they go to find their, their cars, right? We have Ben and uh, Jessica trying to find their cars and simultaneously, or, or trying to leave, right? They're just trying to leave the compound. So they're looking for their cars for that purpose. Um, and we also see uh, Tony and Tony and Francis. Tony and Francis are also looking for their cars. So they kind of run into each other. And they go to. I felt like Ben and Jessica just wanted to have sex, right? Weren't they just oh, looking for a spot to have then sex? You're right, because Francis says, "Oh, we're well, going to have sex in the car again." Right. Uh, yes. Yeah, yes. Yeah, yes. Yeah. Regardless, <laughs> one way or another, they end up going back to the garage, and they find the cars aren't there. They also hear Carmel. Conveniently, Carmel is right next door. Uh, you know, trapped inside of that um, dep- uh, sensory deprivation chamber. Which is not all that noise proof, strangely, even though I have like potted walls. But <laughs> exactly. Okay. All right. Especially sure. considering what the purpose of that room is that we're about to find out. And that's where I have a big question yeah. for you. And then uh, they, they're furious, right? They find Carmel. And Lars is there too, because, you know, he's, he's looking. Mm-hmm. He stopped recording at some point. He's like, you know, this isn't my place to record this. So now right. they're all together, except for the Kamarconis and Masha. And they go, we got to go talk to Masha right now. So Masha has just begun commuting with her daughter. And just at that moment, they all run up to her and they're all yelling at her face, being like, how dare you? What were you doing? Mm-hmm. And she's like, okay, let me take care of you. Let's go talk to Carmel and see. We'll let her out. She was dangerous. She was in a bad spot. Yeah. So let's go take a look at her. And of course, she tricks them all in there. And then she closes the door behind them. Right. And they lock, lock mm-hmm. someone in there. And she's like, okay, I'm going to go back to go have my trip again. But more importantly, she says to uh, Glory, like start the fire or something like that. And she walks right. away. And I literally wrote down like, this is what we're doing. 20 minutes. There's 20 minutes left in the show. Mm-hmm. 20 minutes left in the show. This is, we're still like, oh, what's your plan? So I'm really annoyed by this, right? Uh, you know, we, we, we have this moment coming this late in the show. It's a distraction. So anyway, so she goes back and we see Napoleon now is hearing the ringing set bell. You know, he, mm-hmm. his trip is turning bad. Everyone's trip has kind of gone negative. His especially has gone mm-hmm. negative. Yeah. We have seen multiple times, like randomly in the background, that there are other people that are working on the, the grounds mm-hmm. and stuff. But all of a sudden, it seems like there are only, there's only two people. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, there's only Glory. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that's it. <laughs> all these mm-hmm. other people, wherever they are, they are not helping in any way. Mm-hmm. They don't have, they're not monitoring that. I don't know what they're doing, but, and meanwhile, while that's all happening, we have uh, everybody back inside the room, right? The remainder of the, the guests in that room that is now, they smell smoke, they feel heat through yeah. the walls yeah. and they start having these revelations and Lars's revelation. Yeah. These are so pithy, by the way, Lars comes along with, he's like, I wish I was nicer, especially the yeah. Ray, right? Okay. That's mm-hmm. his big revelation at death's door. This is the revelation he has. Yeah. Ben wants to go back to work. Uh, it, in the book, mm-hmm. by the way, he fixes cars. That's why he was always obsessed with mm-hmm. having a Lamborghini. He used to fix these expensive cars. I in see. the show, though, he's, he used to work in a food truck and he loved meeting all these different people. So many strange people. I met so many people. And uh, he wants to go back to work and just have any kind of job because he wants to mm-hmm. feel like a person again, uh, which is legitimate, I think. Uh, Uh, Jessica Hare goes, I'm not going to care anymore about what other people think. And this is completely different than she was in the book, by the way. In the book, they kind of, Mm -hmm. I I don't like her motivations in the book, by the way, but she doubles down on being a shallow, my opinion, shallow, but she kind of has like this empowered opinion of it. Just to say that it's funny that she's almost like the exact opposite of what she is. Mm -hmm. And then this is very non-feminist. Frances is happy. She's just grateful. She's not sad at all. She's not scared. 
she's just grateful that she met Tony. <laughs> That's <Yes>. her revelation. <laughs> Uh, yes. Not that she wants to write a book about all this. I mean, think about it. If I was an author. I mean, the only thing that um, I was kind of like, these people are all still high. So Maybe. I, I Maybe. don't know. That kind of is how I if wrote If I was off. a writer, I would be like, I cannot wait to write a book about this. <laughs> She's like, I'm going <laughs> to die here meeting those pointlessly. But at least I die with Tony. Anyway, uh, <laughs> I don't know if I buy any of that. But we're inter intercutting this between this and Michael Shannon's scene, uh, Napoleon who uh, is having, talking to his son, he, he feels really bad. With a disgusting bloody nose, yes, right? it's just running the whole time, exactly. Wow. Oh. Yeah, his son appears to him, right? Telling him like, oh, dad, you just have to pinch your nose and put your head back, yeah. right? That when he runs off, it really feels like he's running into the woods and no one's following him. And the same thing when all yes. of a sudden he sees his son and the camera starts panning around him. We're like, everyone's there. Mosh is there, Yao is there. And it's, once again, I don't understand why they do this thing. It's just to create artificial tension i think and then we hear bon Vera on the soundtrack once again i'm like man they're really just putting every <laughs> all these melancholy songs in here trying to get some emotional reaction out of this my long story short of this is this scene in and of itself i think this scene could have worked on me but at this point i was fed up i'm like I, i'm not feeling anything anymore so and it's not to say that you know michael shannon is not giving good performance and everything i just was yeah, I was just wasn't feeling it anymore. But did this work for you? I think this is the part of this. I think yeah. this is the scene that did work for you, right? Because I think this is the one you're really referencing when you were talking yeah, about it that did. reconciliation. I, I have to say, you know, I'm not one for, um, I mean, obviously this is not gore, but the blood was a bit much for me. Okay. <laughs> so that was like a little bit of a low-key distraction to the intensity of everything else going on. But I did like the idea of Okay, it. Yeah. so here's the question I have for you. The burning room thing does not happen in the book, but something analogous happens to in the book. And okay. I'll leave it for that conversation. But this is the big question I had for you specifically because you have no experience with reading the book. Because I yeah. think this is a huge mistake in the show. For that Michael Shannon scene to work, I cannot believe for a second that those people are dying inside of a fire. Right. So... My question to you was, did you for a second think that that is really happening? And if you're not, then what is the purpose of that other situation? I didn't think it was really happening because it definitely seemed when she was like, it's time, start the fire, that this is part of her usual protocol with people. And obviously we would have heard if she's just systematically massacring people that come in for this retreat, <laughs> point, right? So for that reason, I was just like, it can't be that that's what's happening unless like she really is like, this is it, like a Jim Jones kind of situation of like, we're all going together, which did cross my mind. Right. Um, but it just didn't seem like that's what was going to happen here. Right. So I, I think I may, I just felt confusion more than anything. Yeah. Else. And that's why I find it so irritating is because first of all, once again, if there's any emotional pull to this episode at all, it's with the Marconis and you're distracting us with this other plot. Yeah. And if you wanted that, like you could have like after this whole thing where, you know, she might have a breakthrough and everything else, you could have that same scene, including the Marconis, right? Yeah. Because then there would be some real tension. Like, oh my God, has she lost it? And yes. she's trying to cover her tracks, yes. right? Then Agreed. there would be some dramatic point to that. But like I said, Agreed. you have to either see these two things happening and if you buy the one thing that the fire is real, you cannot be vested mm -hmm. in what's happening with the Marconis because you think all your friends are dying, right? Right. 
and vice yeah. versa, we're cutting away from the Marconis and their scene. We're literally cutting away back yes. and forth to something that you're like, well, that's not really happening though. That's not, but that's not really happening. So that's, that's, this is yeah. just, this is just, this is just distracting me from those good scenes on the yes. other side of this. So I don't understand. <laughs> I'm very confused by the decisions. Yeah, I get what you're saying. Yeah. Anyway, so then, oh, there is one funny payoff to this whole thing <laughs> where, you know, after this breakthrough and the Marconi seemed better, they're walking back to the compound where everybody's burning alive, <laughs> supposedly. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. uh, casually, casually walking back. Marsha's in no rush. And uh, as they're walking back, uh, Zoe decides to wander off. And uh, takes yeah. Masha with her because she thinks there's she sees snow, and uh, no yeah. Napoleon's like I don't see any snow, and Yao, who's been like the only voice of sense and reason in this whole entire show, he says no no no, you guys come with me, it's fine, <laughs> mm -hmm. and at least mm -hmm. I did laugh because at least like Napoleon's like that's like your mantra around here or something yeah it's fine no problem it's fine. <laughs> Yeah, and I was like, that's like, okay, that's an intentional joke that actually landed because yes. I'm like, they are at least acknowledging how bananas and preposterous this whole thing has become. Yeah. And then they wander off into a field. There's another random, for whatever reason, jump scare, which actually kind of works when we think for a moment that the cop cars might actually be approaching and might actually hit Zoe. Uh, and Masha freaks out because she thinks that, you know, this is like another recreation of her, her daughter's death. And then she has a pretty touching moment where she's reunited with her her young daughter, her dead daughter, you know, they kind of, the snow's coming down. It's very pretty. Like this is actually, you know, mm -hmm, I want to say that mm -hmm. visually the show, the you know, well-made, like the cinematography is yes. beautiful. The, and like even some of the selection and the musical selections and stuff, I think in general work really well. The directors and the cinematographers, et cetera, are doing a pretty good job of trying to make the material work. Uh, my criticism is more with, I think the, the plotting and, and the scripting. So yeah. and, but, but here's my my last question, I think, before we get to the very end, which is uh, I, I thought there's a very lovely scene with her holding her daughter and all yes. that. But once again, I mean, are we really supposed to be emotionally vested in Masha at this moment? I was not invested at all. So where were you? I came away. Like I said, I was unexpectedly interested in Masha and the daughter when I had not been up until this very last moment. So there is that. But in the end, I actually wondered, did I dislike Nicole Kidman or did I dislike Masha or like what was going on with that character? Because I just did not care, as I have said during every single recap that we've talked about. I don't think that she, Nicole Kidman, was able to overcome the material, the limitations of the material. But I would blame, you know, this is going to be my hobby horse for the episode and maybe all the recaps. I was going to blame the writing for this because... I just try to think to myself, at what point in this show do they humanize her in any way? You think about until the past maybe episode and a half or so, when has she had any kind of legitimate interiority? She is just a plot mechanic, right? She is this. I think she should have been this enigmatic, yes. um, intriguing character that we were dying to know more. so much yes. about and in fact it could not have been more disinterested in comparison to everybody else that's in the show right and that's including Lori, probably yeah, so yeah. like I, I mean it just seems like a real miss either because the source material was weak or 
because the evolution of it just didn't translate. I don't know, but the whole Masha character just seemed like a big, big mess. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I said this much earlier in the recaps, even before I started reading the book. But yeah, I think that what would have worked potentially if I had to adapt this and obviously making a show is very difficult, you know, so that maybe this worked on the page and it's complicated. I don't want to make it sad, even though I didn't like the show and I have criticisms for David Kelly's shows in general. They have a lot of things that I in general don't like. At the same time, everybody's trying their hardest, right? So I want to be clear that I know that yeah. this is hard to do. Like, don't get me wrong. But if I was going to structure this, uh, and a lot of this, by the way, could have been done after the fact. And that's where I kind of feel they really dropped the ball. They clean things up, simplify things. And yeah. I agree with what you were saying. I think that Masha, and the book doesn't do this either, by the way, not enough of it anyway. But if Masha was way more enigmatic, if she was like a messiah figure, and some people hated right. her, some people were afraid of her, some people were intrigued by her, some people were attracted to her, some people worshipped her, right? Yeah. You could, like, really like a cult leader, kind of, they can see what they wanted her. And then yes. over time, we slowly reveal her backstory. I think over time, we might start seeing her, and we can project anything we want out to her. And then by the end, we're like, oh, she was just, she was like them. Like, that speech is like yeah powerful mm -hmm. she was just lost like they were and yeah she's terrible because she's using these people but she's doing it because she wants what they want right and mm -hmm. i think that would work thematically right right as opposed mm -hmm. to what we got here with but like think about it the whole three-way relationship she's having with delilah and yao like who cares yeah and, and, yeah. and once again and the whole uh, stalker subplot who cares it ends yeah. up having absolutely no, especially no relevance. especially the, the yeah. three-way thing has absolutely yeah. no relevance to anything that yeah. happens in the show at all. It's just another distraction. And it's it's and so that's where I'm saying that I don't think that she could have pulled it off. Like who is gonna pull that character off? Like when someone is like yeah. a you know, yeah, uh, someone's fair. a sociopath in one scene, someone's supposed to be attractive yeah. in the next scene, someone's supposed to be enigmatic. Yeah. It's like, how is she enigmatic? I know everything about her. She's, she's, no, she's not yeah. enigmatic at all. Exactly. Okay, so a couple more things happen here. Poor Yao has to go and unlock these people and go, well, with his head hung low. Well, you know, yeah, we simulate this fire. You were never in any danger. We just do this so you guys can have your cathartic moments. And Jeez, Poor man. Yao, he's the guy who has to give this spiel every time. Can you imagine how despised this person Well, you know, the one person, I, is it Lars, says, you know, F you, yeah. Yao. It might have been more than one. <laughs> and not not yeah, surprising, right? not surprising. My next yeah. note, by the way, is Melissa McCarthy walks over and she sees Masha and she knows what Masha's, you know, ha what's happening to Masha at that moment. And yeah. I wrote down, Melissa McCarthy is a much better actor than this show deserves because she sells that look that little look sometimes yeah. you can do a lot of good with just without words yeah. especially when you have a bad script and she just looks at her <laughs> and she just looks at her and she knows what's happening and that look is great she does a great job yeah. so yeah congratulations melissa mccarthy stop making some of those really really bad movies you make because you're a good actress <laughs> i hope someone gives you better material to yeah. work with in the future and then the cops arrive and they all cover up for masha they all love her in the end in the end yeah i love her no one has any qualms they're all like yeah you know i don't know i don't know you know i don't think the door was locked yeah, i don't know oh yeah i don't know yeah. i don't know if they, oh, i don't mm -hmm. think they were dosing us so they all cover up for her they all make it sound like you know nothing illegal happened yeah. at all you know that that that's the end of that storyline basically and then francis and tony get in the car finally 
and they go for that dinner date that they were planning. Yes. And we have a very nice sequence here at the end where Frances says that she is inspired and she goes, hey, can I have a piece of paper? Yeah. And uh, the the person who's serving them, the waitress, um, I don't know if you're supposed to call them waitresses anymore, right? I'm an old person. This would be a server, right? A server? I think it's server, yeah. <laughs> so I'm not sure. That doesn't sound great either. But <laughs> I know, right? That doesn't sound great that. either. But I, yeah. I don't think I think waitress is not acceptable mm-hmm. anymore. Uh, and uh, she hands her her whole pad, right? So Francis mm-hmm. starts writing, and we hear Queensrÿche on the soundtrack. Another soundtrack pull from a song that I haven't heard in a very long time, and it worked very well here, by the way, in this sequence. And we see this uh, kind of flash forward. What do we see? We see Jessica and Ben end up. They end up working at. Tranquillum, right? This is their this is their new yes. jobs afterwards. We see Tony and Francis together in the future, being yes. with his children and his grandchild. I think he has a grandchild. Yeah. And she looks just like she did when she was 16 years old, finally achieving her fullness of being a 16-year-old <laughs> by having the same <laughs> styling she had when she was 16 years old. Mm-hmm. Carmel is now like a therapist of some kind, or counselor, right. maybe counselor mm-hmm. would be more appropriate. And we see Lars with uh, Ray and their son. Mm-hmm. Yes. So that was sweet. A sweet, very sweet. Yeah. And we see, who else is left? Did I get everybody? Oh, the Marconis. And we see the Marconis just in the car, kind of like all like right. kind of singing. But yeah. I thought maybe what we were supposed to take from that, and I could be reading into it, is that Zoe is sitting in the middle of the back seat, and I was yes, wondering when you go point. back to the first episode if maybe she was like on her side. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, because yeah, because she's no longer sitting. Correct. That's a, that's that's a very observant point because I didn't even think of that. Oh, and the, oh, of course, and we see uh, Yao and Delilah who are working at like the Peace Corps or something. Yes. Right. Which I think somewhere at some point that Delilah said she wanted to run off and maybe just work at the Peace Corps or something. So it looks like they ran off together to do that. But then we cut back and we see uh, Tony has fallen asleep at the table. He orders two burgers, by mm-hmm. the way. He orders two burgers, mm-hmm. she orders one. And um, they you know, they get all the bad things that they were supposed to eat. Ice cream Sunday. Yeah, exactly. yep. uh, but he's fallen asleep because Francis has been writing for so long. And the... Uh, well, there's Masha in the car oh, too, yeah, right? Of course, but, at the very end, yes, we see Masha. Yes, and we see um, also that Lars has written a cover right. story for the New Yorker about the power of psychedelics or whatever, correct. and there's like a drawing of Masha. Yep, yep correct. Um, and then Masha's in the car with her daughter driving on the coastline. Yeah, like looks like she's about to pull up Thelma and Louise, to be honest. But <laughs> uh, I don't think yeah. And so you had a question for me, I think, and I have a question for you is was this a f- actually a flash forward or was this just uh, Francis writing? Right, because some things did seem possible that they could happen. Yao and Delilah could definitely be doing that kind of aid work. Um, and other things seemed a little fantastical. I just don't think Ben and Jessica were so won over by the whole Tranquilium experience. Who knows anything about them at all? We don't know anything about them at all. Yeah, and Delilah, fair enough. Um, but I did think it was like a feel-good kind of yeah. ending. And in that way, I didn't I wouldn't have minded it. But yeah, I think most likely it's the the fiction that Frances is writing in her head, the the endings she's creating for everybody. Yeah, and, but yeah. I I think there's a possibility it's not, but yeah, most likely it's Francis's yeah, writing. I feel the same way. I think it's I think it's uh, her just writing that. Also, because we kind of bookend the her writing at the beginning and end, so it definitely makes it feel like it's almost calling that out explicitly that this is just her writing. Like it's like she's kind of putting the pen down, and that's kind of when the sequence mm-hmm. ends. 
Mm-hmm. Well, yes, but yes, I know. So that's mean. one a part of it. And also because the episode is called Ever, Ever After, like Happily Ever After, which of course is how you end a fantasy. Very true. I have yeah. two main takeaways here then, and I have a question. But the first one is, so in a, in a, nut, in a nutshell, this is my, my final notes, is that last week I said, this is all the things I do not want to see in the finale. And then I said, what I really do want to see is just a kind of like, I want to see the Marconi's and her and that they yeah. heal together and they have that experience. You know, we see, maybe we flash forward and we see how they end up together or how they've changed their lives have changed in the future. And basically my final notes was, so I got the episode I didn't want and the episode I right. wanted. <laughs> and uh-huh, uh, and uh-huh. I said, and that was basically the show in a nutshell was, was that it yes. was, you know, the show I wanted and the show I didn't want all mushed yes. together, <laughs> but not that successfully, I don't think. Mm-hmm. Uh, so my final question for you is like, what is the point of this? Like, you know, I always kind of think about at the end, when you get to the end of a season or to a show, like thematically, like, and what was the point? <laughs> I think it could have been a meaningful examination of loss and grieving and the expectations we have for our life and how we deal with it when our life deviates from those expectations due to things outside of our control. I think it was a very superficial treatment of that. I think it raised a lot of questions that are interesting, but I don't think it gave enough time to then considering those questions. So maybe that was the goal and it was just poorly executed. And and this is why I think it's such a miscalculation. When you compare a show like this to something like Mayor of Easttown, which by the way, is of course not a fair comparison. Mary stands like you know a very, which had its big blunders and missteps, by the way, as any show will. Mm-hmm. But still, overall, mm-hmm. I think the difference between something like this and the reason I get I criticize it versus something like Mary Town is I think you're absolutely correct that the one thing that is emotionally powerful in all of this is that core of dealing with this loss, right? And uh, yeah. And you could have everybody. Yes, that's a good point. And the other characters in the show, of course, if you wanted to like thematically coherent, uh, you could say, well, it. You could still say everybody else has lost something, also, right? So it's not that it's yeah, not just you know sure. it doesn't have to be just Masha and the Marconi's, which is a very absolutely you know, explicit. Absolutely. So the show could have explored how they were all recovering from loss, yeah. right? That's what I'm saying. Yes. And more importantly uh, than that, going back to the idea of Mayor of Easttown, is that the mystery, and this is once again, a very good show, Mayor of Easttown versus this one. But the point is that in that show, and I won't give any spoilers here for anybody who hasn't watched it yet, but the mystery itself as it evolves and the solution to it is thematically relevant to the cores of the show. It's about the same things. So as you're exploring the mystery, Mm -hmm. you're exploring the themes of the show. My problem with this show is that, and especially in comparison to something that's a cut above, is that the mystery does not in any way add anything to the themes of the show, right? So it's not like we are circling around a mystery that will get us closer to Masha's mystery, uh-huh, to what Masha uh-huh, actually wants. Uh-huh. We just have like, there's a killer out there. Who could it be? You know, and it doesn't, and, there, and of course it turns out to be like, oh no, that wasn't even real. And it's like, yeah. So why are we spending so much time on that? Anyway, so that's my my overall criticism. Like, you know, comparing it to something that's much better, but 
you could at least make an attempt <laughs> to to make something coherent when you're putting this stuff together, yes. right? So, so. Right. Yeah, I hear you. Anyway. I do. <laughs> anyway. So thank you again, Sona, for and thank you everybody for listening. Yeah, thanks. We'll be guys. back next week and we will be discussing more of Only Murders in the Building and rewatching Succession. And at some point, I'll also be doing a, uh, I've taken my notes, so I'm ready to have that conversation about the differences between um, Nine Perfect Strangers, the book and the show, and kind of like the foibles of uh, adaptation possibly. <laughs> but uh, we'll have that conversation in the future as well. Awesome. All right, thanks everybody. Talk to you later. later. Someone close to you leaving the game of life So here it is, another chance Wide awake, you face the day Your dream is over Or has it just begun? Child, you will live.